Hello, FPL managers. Welcome to the 13th episode of the FPL Optimized podcast. Lucky, lucky number 13, as they say. Game week one is behind us now. All the tinkering is over and we're back to the weekly routine. We aim to keep giving you weekly updates in our podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sirtop, the data scientist. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question in this podcast. So what can you expect from us today? We'll briefly talk about our own teams and plans, but we won't uh, focus too much on it in this podcast. Instead, we aim to zoom into some of the key questions that many managers are facing, and we want to give you the analytics perspective on it. One thing we'll certainly be discussing is the Kane versus Haaland situation. Uh, Team Haaland won round one, but will it continue like this? That's the question. So before we dive into that, uh, Sirtop, let's hear from you. How did your first game week uh, go? Uh, it's, it wasn't a terrible game week, I should say. Uh, 69 points, 1.5 okay. million overall rank. So I think it's pretty okay. So came blank was upsetting for the obvious reasons mm-hmm. <laughs> because I had him. But yep. I'm also happy that I was able to get points with my premium goalkeeper Ederson after talking about you know premium goalkeepers for so long. Yeah. Um it's funny that four of my defenders got seven points. Like uh Ederson got seven points, Gabriel, right. James, and Cancelo, which is surprising. Yeah. They either get two or yeah, no, six usually. Um, yeah. and I'm happy that Salah <laughs> didn't blank too. Uh for sure. But I mean from a football perspective I'm upset that Liverpool lost points in the open in their opening fixture. And, yeah. Yeah. How was how was your game week pass? Yeah, for me, quite similar. I ended with 71 points. So, you know, almost the same as what you had. A little bit more, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I hope I can say that more often during uh, the next weeks. But, uh, no, overall, mixed feelings. Um, Okay in defense. Ramsdale kept a clean sheet. And so did three out of my five defenders. Uh, Only Trent and Robbo blanked. Which, of course, can happen. But, you know, considering that uh, there's quite a lot of uh, budget that went into the defense, yeah, I don't want them to blank too often. Uh, mm-hmm. In the midfield, Salah and Kulusevski did the business, which I was really happy with, uh, while Neto and Bailey didn't give me much. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I favored them over Martinelli, who was my first sub. So I had eight points sitting on my bench. So that's the part I wasn't so happy with. And in front, of course, Kane blanked as well. So, yeah, I'll take the 71 points. I think it's a decent start. And at the same time, it gives me a few things to reflect on. And one of that, of course, is the Kane versus Haaland situation. And I noticed that you already made the switch, right? Yes, I did. I don't normally do transfers this early in a game week, by the way. Mm -hmm. I usually wait until last day. And yeah. it wasn't certainly a reaction to, you know, Kane blanking and Haaland getting, you know, uh, double-digit returns. Yeah. But it was more of a matter of price changes. I just find it annoying that prices can change at any day. Yeah. Um, and there are websites that you can also track if, you know, a player is about to go up in price or down. And right. they guessed Kane will drop 0.1 uh, in price uh, that yeah. day and Haaland was about to go up. Yeah. So because of that, I had to pull the trigger. Initially, mm-hmm. my reaction was, yeah, I will probably stick with Kane, probably even longer than I, you know, expect. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and but then after just checking, you know, how much value I'm losing, like in terms of points, of course, that uh, I thought it will be good to do an early move. I okay. mean, I'm also very upset that my cane punt didn't work well, but I mean, there's nothing I can do about it now. Yeah. Um. And uh, you said p- you're losing in terms of points, or did <laughs> you mean in terms of uh, budget, or you think also in points? So actually, points because when it is time to wildcard, I w- I can only sell Kane for eleven point four, or maybe less right. if he loses even more value. So yeah. that zero point one will restrict my budget. So that like compared to a Holland owner, for example, I will have I will always have zero point less. Uh, yeah. in the bank and because of the pricing were a little bit weird this year there's so much value you can get from that extra 0.1 okay. and i was also concerned he can even you know go down a little bit more or maybe holland can go up right. even more so yeah yeah i yeah. mean so many people will disagree to this but i don't think picking kane on game week one was a bad move like i don't mm-hmm. i don't actually regret it he had a good fixture and yep. he's a great player too. So his projections were, were good. And also I was hoping to keep him longer so that I can actually rotate captains between him and Salah because mm-hmm. his game week three and six projections are still especially good. Yeah. And so my hope was Holland would blank in game week one and Kane get returns, just opposite. And but mm-hmm. he's blank in a 4-1 win. It's obviously surprising, but it can happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I I had to pull the trigger for, for that. I I don't kind of regret it, but I, I'm upset that I was forced to do this move. What are you thinking about it, Buzz, like in terms of uh, Kane versus Holland? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. And uh, I see a lot of people made the move, in- including you. And I was actually a little bit surprised when I saw your tweet, I think yesterday morning, mentioning that you made the transfer. Because I, yeah, I thought that from an analytics perspective, you didn't think the free transfer should be spent on it. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll go a little bit more into it later. Uh, but of course, I do understand what you what you said about capturing the price change. And I also understand that many people went for it when they saw that Kane was about to drop and Haaland was about to, to go up. Um, what I had in mind was an advice from the FPL general, who in many of his previous podcasts often said, you know, the first and often best option is to do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do nothing. But then I listened to his podcast yesterday in which he mentioned we also should be flexible. And for Haaland, you know, being an exceptional talent, we should also make an, an exception. So <laughs> I think I uh, I remembered the wrong piece of advice from him. So that was my bad. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. though, uh, you know, I'm playing my own game and I'm making my own decisions. And I still think doing nothing could be the right thing, even though, of course, it's a high risk um, with the high ownership of Haaland. And considering they will play against Bournemouth, even though, you know, Bournemouth impressed, I think, us with the result in game week one, winning from Villa. But I think also a lot of people are saying Villa was was pretty poor. So, you know, that's, it's still difficult to judge uh, whether Bournemouth, uh, you know, how strong they can be. We'll, we'll know more after this weekend, after the match against Man City. Um So, yeah, you know, I went with Kane in game week one because I believed in him for the long term. Uh, And I also think Spurs did really well in game week one, as you mentioned. They had a big win. 
Uh, normally, we would expect Kane to be on on the, the the sheet of goal scorers. In this case, he wasn't. But the the future fixtures are also not not bad. So I'm keeping my faith. Even now, I think for game week two against Chelsea, I believe Tottenham will do well. So yeah, as things stand, I'll keep Kane. But it's certainly something I'll, I'll be thinking more about during the week, I'm sure. Uh, and I also looked at the order of games for the weekend. And, you know, I can already prepare for a roller coaster weekend, I think, because City play Bournemouth on Saturday. And then Spurs play Chelsea on Sunday. And Liverpool against Crystal Palace is only on Monday night. So, yeah, I think no matter what City and Haaland will do on Saturday, I will still have to wait until Monday night to see the total picture. And of course, you know, that's the same for all of us. But I think especially for uh, the non-Haaland owners like myself, it will be quite uh, nerve-wracking. As I think most of us will be then also uh, Salah captainers um, by kind of by definition. If you don't own Haaland, you're probably captain Salah. And you will have to wait until Monday night to know uh, what Liverpool did. So yeah, you know, it's part of FPL life, let's say, you know, <laughs> the season started and this is part of it. Uh, so yeah, sort of, even though we know now that you made the transfer already, um, how do you look at it in general from an analytics perspective that uh, I think, you know, the premium player switch dilemma, uh, something that will probably come back more often during the season. So yeah, how, how should we look at it also with uh, regards to the potential loss of team value? And yeah, losing or not losing, but spending a free transfer on it. Yeah, so I also listened to what uh, FPL General said on the topic. So one thing that I like working on models is I usually learn how others play the game and then I try to incorporate that aspect to the model. Price okay. changes is unfortunately is not part of my model yet. I mean, I, I am able to tell my model that okay this player is about to go up in price so that next mm -hmm. game week the price will be different we'll just still you know buy him or not buy him yeah those, those i have but whenever we are about to have a price change it's very difficult to tell model if i should act right now because then you need to model it for every day yeah, um, right. so uh, my idea is this so if you have Kane and if you kept him, then I think that's okay. Losing that 0 0.1 might be even better. We don't know because there are lots of randomness. But losing 0. From my perspective, losing 0 0.1 on an 11.5 forward was a little bit too much. And also we talked about the probability of Holland to go up around 0 0.2 in price. Mm -hmm. And I value each free transfer around 1.5 points. And okay. also F, F underscore Trout also had an experiment uh, showing that every 1 million in the bank is roughly equivalent to 0 0.4 points per game week. So okay. so then if you do the math, the model favored Holland because, uh, and this is even be, was before that review was able to update Holland's projections based on the game he had, 0 0.4 points per game week, but it is it will affect your... 30 game week so after wildcard so it's a long time period if you just do the math it, it is 1.2 points and if i only lose 0 0.1 but if i lose 0 0.2 then it mm. is 2.4 points i know that these numbers are hard to follow a little bit but um 
So the the benefit of keeping Kane was around one point nine, and okay. potential gain I have from doing the move was around two point four. So as you see, I mean it's very close. So yeah. probably there is no clear answer. But for me, I go for the average case, and I thought, okay, in the average case, I will be better if I do the move yeah. and just keep my team value. Yeah. So it's a little bit difficult to analyze, but. I mean, I'm not saying that the keeping Kane was also a mistake for anyone. And I mean, potentially losing that 0.1 will close some of the doors, but will open some others too. So, I mean, FPL is always like this. Yeah. No, that's true. And I think, I, you know, I also agree. I think moving to Haaland could be the lower risk move as you also kind of, uh, you know, go with the field. And, uh, you know, he's highly owned, will only be more owned, you know, uh, at the end of the week. Uh, and a lot of people will be captaining, captaining him. So I think, uh, yeah, you know, makes a lot of sense. But in my case, I'll keep my faith in Kane. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're listening, Harry Kane, please score a few goals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got that topic covered. And uh, I think most people, as I mentioned, will make the switch from Kane to Haaland. In fact, it's now the number one transfer already this week, with Haaland already having around 800,000 new owners as it stands. Wow. I'm yeah. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Okay, well, another thing we wanted to discuss today is something that got tweeted by FF Scout Mark, who is the founder of Fantasy Football Scout and was also, as he said, part of the team that created one of the first models or solvers for FPL. And Mark commented about the current environment on social media in which there is some, yeah, let's say snobism going on by people using data to find optimal teams. Uh, because, you know, often they are claiming they are right and by definition, therefore, everyone else is wrong. <laughs> uh, and to quote him from his tweets, he says that, uh, yeah, if you dare to go against the optimal solution, as I did, so in this case, you know, he did, um, you can't win, he says. You either get what you deserved if you lost versus the optimal, or you are fortunate and gained from variance if you beat the optimal. So, and he goes on that for him, it's creating an atmosphere and environment where fast and individual thinking is being squeezed out of FPL in favor of rigidly sticking to what is perceived as optimal out of fear of not only losing points, but also being received as playing the game wrongly. So yeah, I think it's an interesting comment and uh, I think we can also understand why he said that because we can see that a lot from comments people make on, on, on Twitter. Uh, and I understand, Sir Top, that you want also to add your thoughts to this. Mm -hmm. um, and from my side, you know, I've been thinking about this as well. Just want to say that everyone, I think you, know, you really should play the game to have fun uh, first and foremost. And I don't think you can have fun by copying teams uh, from other people or following advice given by others. Uh, and, you know, for sure, you can take in all the information that is available. And I think you also should if you want to, to play the game seriously. But after that, of course, it's up to you to make your own decisions. You know, use your own guts, your instincts, your own knowledge and build your team based on that. And for some people, it will be based on data. For others, it will be based on the right test. You know, and I think that's all fine. Uh, whatever suits you best. 
Um, I, yeah, I also saw on Twitter that some FPL content creators are getting complaints from people who follow their advice. For example, you know, as we just discussed, to go for Kane over Haaland. Uh, and some content creators are even apologizing now for giving such advice. And I think, you know, that's really not necessary. In the end, you know, people are making their own decisions and they're responsible for that. And you shouldn't be blaming others for giving wrong advice. So I agree with Mark that we need to be careful about the, the atmosphere and the environment. There is no wrong or right. Uh, FPL managers who are using analytics and solvers should respect the opinions of the grass managers, let's say, and vice versa. The, the grass managers can learn a lot from what the analytics guys are bringing to the game. Uh, I, I would say, you know, take the parts that you believe in, but for the rest, follow your own instincts and have your own strategy. And with that, I'll end my preach. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sardar, what, what do you think about it? So, yeah, I talked about this topic in past too, and thanks for your input on this. I definitely agree. Um, I will summarize a few points here, even though I yeah. tweeted about it. Um, as I said before, my hope is that FPL managers will see FPL as a good reason to learn analytics. That's my main objective. Yeah. I can't describe how much it makes me happy to get messages like, oh, I entered college and chose engineering or data science as my major because I enjoyed your FPL analysis. I mean, mm. that's probably, that's what I want. I know people who learn to code for FPL purposes and change their yeah. jobs. And I mean, it's overall an amazing positive move towards analytical methods. So that's Definitely. why I push analytics so much. I'm not trying to make people say that, oh, okay, this is the optimal. So let's go, you know, bash everyone else's decisions. Yeah, um, no, I so, agree. So the comments, some people uh, so the the tweets or the comments that mark is receiving uh for his decisions criticizing his play style uh either using analytics or not is wrong i mean i discourage this behavior as it pushes people away from analytics in the first place and not everyone has the same objective as we do or i do some people mm -hmm. love <laughs> annoying other people i know that so I also received messages and I have also received messages in the past like how in the world did you choose this player A to your team? Have you ever watched him in real life and making fun mm. of my play style? Mm -hmm. I mean, some people do it as banter and mm -hmm. it is part of the FBL culture somehow. But if it bothers the recipient, it is obviously wrong. Yep. Uh, things like... You know, what you got, what you have deserved is not nice, obviously. And I think, unfortunately, it's a loud minority. Mm -hmm. Not many people are like this. And so on this topic, I really like how Let's Talk FPL and the approaches to analytics. And like over the last year, he was quite open to learning about it and cur curious about what solvers suggest which moves and yeah. and was aware of what solvers can do and what they can't yeah i'm really impressed with his message on analytics especially through last season so you need to understand analytics is just a tool to play fpl it's not yeah. the solution so just to remind everyone what we call optimal is a solution generated by the optimization solver and model under certain assumptions and predictions yeah. So it's an algorithm suggestion at the end and no mm -hmm. one needs to follow it. There is no right or wrong way to play FPL. Some people even, you know, play for fun, play to just, you know, 
to win their mini league, for example, and that objective yeah. is totally different. And no matter what, though, optimization is just a tool to improve your gameplay, and it's mm-hmm. a tool to give you suggestions, nothing more. Yeah. So even thinking that prediction models are 100% correct, like even if you assume that, people can still reduce your average point to increase or decrease the variance or the sieving. So what I'm trying to say is you use optimization, you find the optimal 15 players, but let's assume that it excludes a player like Jesus. So you know that having him will reduce the sieving you can face because everyone has him. And yeah. if he goes up, goes and scores multiple goals, then you will be left behind. So that you can sacrifice just a little bit of expected value, maybe as tiny as 0.1, mm-hmm. so that you can get him. And then so you will stay with the crowd for that game week. I mean, that's a totally valid strategy, in my opinion. And what mm-hmm. Mark did by not picking Salah is little bit different but it's the same at the end so you are sacrificing some ev so again we are assuming the prediction model is 100 percent correct which is often not so you are losing some expected value to the to have a higher swing and if people yeah. are playing for fun i mean this should be valid too because you are trading points to get a higher swing if salah blanked on game week one which was but it looked possible at one point during the yeah, game. Yeah. yeah. He was going to be ahead of everyone else. So, and because of the captaincy blank, we will be all end up in, you know, very, very bad overall rank, I should say. Yeah. So, I mean, as the last point on this topic, um, I'm hoping that people will stop generalizing behavior of a few people to an entire community. Uh, because, I mean, FPL analytics community has been growing at a rapid pace. It's huge, and it's hard to follow what people do and what they write in social media. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I mean, optimal as a word shouldn't be used against people to show how good or bad they are playing FPL. But if people do it anyway, because, I mean, there's no community which is immune to having trolls in it. Let's not say that oh analytics people are always like this they are always trolls they always do or behave like this again they are they are a loud minority unfortunately but i find generalizations pretty dangerous yeah and i just wanted to mention that yeah no you're right and i think you know that's true in general not just for fpl i think we see that in general the environment on on social media can sometimes be a little bit uh, toxic and uh, yeah, we certainly don't want to uh, play a part in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I fully echo what you were saying. The reason for us to also to do the podcast is that we want to kind of spread the the love, let's say, and the awareness for analytics. Uh, I, we, I mentioned it in a previous podcast, Sir Tob and I, you know, we're both active in the analytics industry. And often when you talk about data analytics, it can be perceived as a bit of a boring topic. But if we can talk about it in a sports context like we're doing here, then, you know, it, it interests a lot of people. And uh, if people can learn about analytics in this way, then, yeah, we, we are two happy uh, people here, <laughs> two <Exactly>. happy persons. <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. to, to, to Sertov's point, the comments he's getting about people getting interested in, 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 uh, in analytics, that, that, that's great. I also saw a tweet, I don't remember anymore from who it was, I can find it back, but he said, there was somebody saying that, uh his son 
was not interested in football, but he's been, you know, listening to Surtop, tried out to Solver, uh, mm-hmm. picked the team, and the team, uh, yeah, performed quite well. So those are the kind of things we really like to hear, and uh, that's also, again, our objective of the podcast. Yep. So, yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Surtop. And I think it's good also to uh, to stress again what optimal means in an analytics context. Uh, it's good, yeah, good for everyone to be aware of that. All right, one more thing on this, as it's a bit related to the data versus grass discussion. Uh, we received a question from Captain Hindsight on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asked if you think it's possible to win FPL without watching a single game of football. So yeah, I know you believe, uh, up that a data manager will win uh, FPL one day, sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also agree to that. But do you think you can also win it without even watching a single game of football? I think you can, yes. I mean, as it is possible to win FPL without, you know, checking analytics at all, <laughs> I think yeah. the reverse is correct too. Like you, and I, I love how Jamie put it in a, in the episode I have hosted, the Corridor of Uncertainty, folks. Yeah. So he said FPL is a strategy game, a very yeah. nerdy game actually, where the theme is football. So will watching football provide some extra information for you? Yes. Would it make it more fun? Also, yes. That's why I watch games usually on the weekends. But do you have to? No. I mean, you can read a summary of the game or check Mm. how many minutes players have played, check their upcoming fixture, check team stats or individual stats and play the game based on that. And frankly, I think you can win it. So, I mean, just because you can doesn't mean you should because the fun of FPL is also coming from that. It's giving you a reason to, I don't know, at least for me, to watch football and talk about football with my friends. But yeah. I mean, the hope is FPL will contribute to the popularity of Premier League. So not watching it is just probably not what, you know, FPL Towers want. But, you know, you can. Yeah, absolutely, you can win it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's something that probably a lot of people find hard to believe because I think most of us kind of come from the other side, right? We we are football fans first. We, yeah, we like to watch games and then FPL kind of came into our lives and it's something we do on top. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, it can also be the other way around that uh, yeah, you hear about FPL and you're a data scientist, you work with the data and then you know even without watching a game or without knowing the players, you can already uh, pick a team. Uh, and again, I think it's probably something <laughs> which is quite difficult to believe, but uh, it is possible, as you say. So, yeah, let's see mm-hmm. if it will happen in the future. All right. Well, let's go back to some FPL decisions now. Um, and as a next point, I actually wanted to ask you some advice, Top, because uh, I'm facing a kind of a dilemma on the 8 million midfielder spot. Mm. And I think a lot of other managers are in the same boat. Um, in my case, I have Kulusevski in my team, who had a brilliant game, game week one, and he now faces a tough game against Chelsea. But then after that, he has games against Wolves and Nottingham. So, you know, it's, it's looking quite good in terms of, of fixtures. But my original plan was to move him on because, you know, I, I knew they had a relatively easy game in game week one. And luckily I was right. He had a good, uh, he, had, he had a good score. Uh, but I was planning to move him on for a Man City mid- midfielder in game week two, as of course City is having now an attractive fixture against Bournemouth. Uh, and I think Foden can look like a really good option. But, you know, with, with Pap in charge, we we can never be sure. 
And like I have Kulusevski, other managers might have Mount, who didn't do so much in game week one, or Luis Diaz, who also blanked. So again, in general, uh, what what is your advice for that 8 million spot for the next couple of weeks? I think Saka is the best 8 million midfielder to have at the moment. He has great fixtures coming up and has relatively higher minute predictions. And I mean, his good his point predictions are great too. 5.2 this game week, 4.8 game week three and 5.4 on game week 4 so it's really impressive for the price point and Luis Diaz also has good predictions I'm not particularly concerned about his blank on game week 1 he plays for a strong team in offense and has pretty decent decent baseline in models I assume I think Foden is also a decent pick uh, so is Mount I see little difference between other options to be fair Data projections favor Saka and Diaz, and then Foden and Mount comes second after them. I'm not sure if they are worth spending a free transfer, though. My intention was keeping my city spot open in case I want to buy Foden instead of Diaz in future game weeks, as I already have triple arsenal, so I can't buy Saka, but which, you know, later I had to use my extra spot for Holland, but. Um, so Foden was someone I was kind of considering. For Kulusevski, um, I think Richardson might play at the same position too. So he might be subject to some risk in terms of minutes. So if you have him, I think keeping might make sense. But I wouldn't buy him if I didn't have him yet. Although, I mean, Kulusevski is very popular. I think around almost 300,000 people already have about... Kulusevski, so <laughs> yeah, strange indeed. And I he increased in price overnight, also. So I was a little bit surprised because he has the Chelsea game coming up next. But yeah, as mentioned, he has an he had an impressive game week one. So I think a lot of people uh, are now considering him. So that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You're right about Richarlison. We still need to see how that will play out. Um, I think most people think now, based on the performance of Kulusevski, that his spot is quite secure. But yeah, Richarlison needs to play somewhere as well. So we'll see what uh, what 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 Conte will will decide in future. But indeed, yeah. for now, I will I will keep him. Thanks for sharing your perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're also still looking through the transfer window, <laughs> as long as it's open, which is until the end of the month. And as mentioned last week, we can certainly still expect some movement, either as players can be looking to get more playing time elsewhere or clubs can be looking to get further reinforcements so here are a few confirmed once again from the previous week and uh, yeah it's been a uh, quite a busy week for some clubs uh, and starting with Bournemouth uh, we didn't talk about them so much yet but earlier last week uh, they added Marcus Tavernier to their team coming over from Middlesbrough and he already uh, played for them in game week one and as FPL Suite noted on Twitter Tavernier made an impressive debut. Uh, he was man of the match, and he seems to be on all the set pieces. So for $5 million in FPL, he can be one to watch, especially as Bournemouth surprised us with uh, the 2-0 win over Villa. Um, also, Bournemouth signed Marcos Senesi from Feyenoord uh, Rotterdam. Uh, he's an Argentinian centre-back who played in the Netherlands for the last three years, and he impressed a lot of people there. Uh, but as we know, yeah, it's a big step from the Netherlands, uh, from the Dutch league to the Premier League. So, yeah. yeah, we'll have to see how he settles in. But, yeah, it looks like Bournemouth made some some good signings. 
Then, yeah, moving to Chelsea, they signed Cucurella, um, coming over from Brighton. And Cucurella was first rumored to join Man City, but that deal didn't work out. And Chelsea then uh, managed to get him instead. And yeah, it can be an important signing. He's an attractive left wing back. And again, it will be interesting to see here how the manager, Tuchel in this case, is going to manage it as as Chelsea also already has Chilwell, of course, in, in the team. Um, but the interesting thing about Cucurella is that he has the 5 million price tag, which he had at Brighton and, of course, which he will keep now at Chelsea. And that can make him an interesting option. Um Moving on to Everton, they added Corner Cody to their side. And Cody mm-hmm. used to be uh, the most nailed defender in, in the Wolves' defensive line, but then suddenly lost his spot this season due to a change in uh, formation. And he's moving to Everton now to get more playing time. So, again, a good one to watch. Uh, we need to keep an eye on Everton, how they do. Um, but Cody, we know from the past, is a very reliable defender. So, again, could be a, an, an FPL option going forward. Then looking at Fulham, who impressed us with the first game against Liverpool, they added a goalkeeper to their team. They took over Arsenal former number one, uh, Bernd Leno. Um, and he, yeah, he made the move across London to join the Cottagers. He was on the bench during game week one, but let's see if that will change in future. Then at Leicester, also a goalkeeper, but one that left the club. And it's a big name, of course, with Kasper Schmeichel, who left. And he made the move to Nice in France. And this, of course, gave FPL managers the possibility to jump on Danny Ward, which many people did, as he's now a 4 million starting goalkeeper. So that's kind of a gift. We don't often have that, a 4 million uh, goalkeeper that's uh, that that's uh, st- starting in the team. It's, of course, a very attractive price point. But the question is whether he can keep the clean sheets and also whether he will keep his spot because, uh, you know, the transfer window is still uh, not closed. But, you know, can it be either a very smart play or it could also backfire? Again, something we'll need to watch. Then moving over to West Ham, uh, the Hammers were quite active. They signed Italian strikers Kamaka, who uh, already made his debut last weekend. He came over from Sassuolo in Italy. And they also added Maxwell Cornet from Burnley to their team. And Cornet, we know still from last season, he had a few impressive uh, performances for for Burnley. Uh, So let's see now if he can secure a spot in the team of West Ham and if he can impress us there as well. And last but not least, uh, the Wolves. As mentioned earlier, Connor Cody, he moved to Everton. Uh, But at the same time, Wolves made an impressive deal signing uh, Gonzalo Guedes a Portuguese attacker coming over from Valencia. And he's 25 years old. He can play as a striker, but he can also play on the wings. And in the past, he played for big clubs like Benfica and also Paris Saint-Germain before he moved to Valencia, where he scored 11 goals and also had six uh, assists last season. So he looks like someone we should keep an eye on in the Wolves team. And that's it for this week regarding the transfer window section. Uh, As we expected, it's still quite busy in the market. And I think it's also something we should consider for the wildcard planning, as we mentioned it before. Uh, Don't use it too early as the market is still open until the end of the month. And we can still uh, expect new players to join the Premier League. Anything you wanted to comment on, Sertop? So Leicester's goalkeeper situation is interesting because it creates a case where linear solvers 
fails to capture. Yeah. You, Ward or Iverson were going to play as their goalkeeper this game week. One, you know, one yeah. or the other. But uh-huh. once you assign a prediction, say 80% Ward, 20% Iverson, the model might pick only one of them. Or maybe mm-hmm. none of them, but it will certainly fail to understand the relation between the two. Because if you choose both of them as one of as your main goalkeeper and the other one as your bench goalkeeper, uh, one of them will certainly play. So this is not something you can easily model uh, with a linear solver, but you, it is something easily you can do with a nonlinear solver. The okay. relation between those two. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can use simulation and. I was actually checking simulated scenarios page on FPL Optimize and you could see the relation between those two. If you choose mm. those two, I mean, no matter what, you always get the same expected points. It's not the right. same with others. So, which is a linear yeah. solver will have some challenging time. But yeah, that, that was something reminded me that I should probably add that kind of a feature to my linear solver, but it will take time probably. Yeah. But and okay. also, by the way, I really hope Lester gets a new goalkeeper so that everyone will be forced to spend a free transfer. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit of a bad thing to say, but you know, <laughs> uh, for us, as we don't own them, indeed, it, uh, it could be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a risky move on the one hand. I think, as I mentioned, it looks like an unexpected gift because now you can have two goalkeepers for eight million in total, and you're sure that one of them will always play. But on the other hand, yeah, I think, you know, they were on the bench for a reason before. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see to know if they're good enough and, you know, whether they can keep clean sheets. Plus on top, uh, as you also said, the transfer window is still open and we don't know if Leicester will sign another goalkeeper. So, uh, yeah, I think Brendan Rodgers, though, said that he has faith in the, in the current options. But still, it's a bit of a high risk reward type of situation. Okay, well, was there anything else you wanted to discuss uh, today, sort of? Uh, I want to talk briefly about what I have used for my Game Week 1 squad, just as a reference to use it later. Mm-hmm. I have optimized my team for a no future transfers plan, so no scheduled okay. transfers. So keeping yep. Kane, for example, was part of that plan. However, I used multiple scenarios where random players are injured in every scenario, so... Mm-hmm. So that I can see how optimization decides to replace injured players in game week two or you know beyond. Yep. So that creates a huge problem to solve in terms of the problem size. People who mm. have been using my Python solver might know that you know run times are usually long, but you need to multiply that with you know ten because I'm g- generating ten scenarios and trying to solve them at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I was constantly getting either triple city defense. Or maybe Holland in my team, but Kane was appearing more often. So I realized that if I have Kane and if I have triple city defense, it will close the door for Holland or Foden. So mm. if I need to move. So it was creating me some kind of a you know a bad structure. So yeah. I have added a new constraint to my solver saying that okay, I you can all, all you can have at most two city defenders, no more. Mm-hmm. And using that, I actually reached a team where I have Kane and two city defenders too, so that I was able to actually pull that move. Otherwise, right. I could have gone with triple city defense and actually lock myself out of the Holland move this game week. So yeah. 
Um, I mean, it was something interesting because, and I wanted to mention this to show that optimization should be used as a tool for decision making. And you can mm. actually even improve the solver as you go go forward. Like you realize something that is not solver is capturing. I mean, you can yeah. add it as a constraint and then it gives you the optimal decision based based on that criteria. So it doesn't yeah. and shouldn't be treated as something you need to follow blindly all the time, yeah. but it's something that can evolve through time. I just wanted to mention because I thought that was relevant. Yeah. No, no, definitely. It's a good thing. Thanks for mentioning it. Uh, and it's also good to know. And I think in general, it's something for everyone to consider. Uh, and I think also it's probably something um, that for many people, it was the reason to not go for a premium goalkeeper uh, like Ederson, mm -hmm. as it then limited their options to get other city players. Hey, you could only then get two more uh playing uh, playing uh, either midfielders or attackers or, or defenders. Mm -hmm. And as you said, yeah, you, li you likely want to stay flexible to get a player like Foden or Mares or Grealish, or I see also a lot of people now talking about Gundogan. Um, so it's always good to try to build in such flexibility into your squad, if possible, of course. It's not easy. Okay, well, with that, I think we covered all the content for today. Right, Sirotop? Yes, I think so. Well, let's see what Game Week 2 will bring for all of us this weekend. Uh, if you had a bad start, it will, of course, be easier to get a green arrow. So, you know, let's look at it like that. Let's stay positive. There is still a very long way to go in this new FPL season. Good luck to all of you. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. We're really happy with the appreciation we're getting. Uh, and as always, questions, comments or reviews are, are certainly welcome. You can subscribe to our podcast so you'll get notified when the next episode comes out. Or you can follow us on Twitter. For Surtop, it's at Surtop Bilal. And for me, it's at BelfiBB. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.